Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 149. This week I have a couple different guests. One, I got Aaron Finnell back. We had an auction happen here over the week. And I think we're in that time of the year where we start paying attention to these auctions more than we've had in the past just because we're at that kind of peak auction time. Uh, headed here towards the end of the year when most auction activity and usually these these August time frame auctions kind of start to set the tone for what we're going to see happen throughout the end of the year. Uh, and also I have um, Steve Hawkins on here and he is a uh, uh, the brother of John Hawkins and he was a, a farmer out there in or is a farmer out there in uh, central Illinois and I had the pleasure to talk with him over some stuff he sees happening in his general area. That being said, Aaron, how are you, buddy? Good, man. What what's what's going on in your world today? Oh, it's just uh, it's just a fun field day in the equipment business. You know, you can't get enough of it. That's right. Bang your head against the wall till you break through and do it again. Yeah, and then scoot over six inches and try to do it again. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. So. Sullivan's had an auction here, and it, it's, it was their big one. They have a they have one usually in August, and then they usually have well summertime, like mid to late summer, and then they've got another one towards the end of the year typically. And this was that mid to late summer one, and they had quite a list of stuff go across there. There's several dealers that put stuff through there, and they had a quite a laundry list of equipment. It's a two dayer, and that that's usually not a not something you see with with the Sullivan's or anything. They try to get it right, so. Um, there was uh, quite a bit on there, so I guess give me a reaction to what you saw there, and, and give me a give me an idea of what kind of what you thought the tone was, and what you feel like the overall um, kind of outcome of it was. Well, first thing I'd like to point out, they've done that two day thing before, and it's they don't do that because they have two days worth of. 16 and 17 model year equipment there's there's just a lot of stuff there in general whether it's a 190 xt alice or a 4440 times 10 there's just a lot of iron there and they do it all trucks trailers the whole damn work so that's part of why that's a two-dayer now there was some later model equipment on there quite a fair chunk and you know by and large there was it it was about what you would expect for the market we're in now was it the auction prices of last december no but they haven't existed since last december either so you know for for what auctions have been doing this year they were oh kind of hit or miss, I would say, till about May. June, they started getting tougher um, as far as just strictly auction values. 
and they've just kind of been on that tougher course ever since. So when we hit, I, it, you know, and for that little glimmer of hope we had when corn was over $4, yeah. that didn't have much of an effect on the auction market. I think it had a bigger effect for dealers being able to move stuff than it did auctions. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. That's and now, good- now we're down, now we're back to paying the elevator to take the corn off the farm. Right. So, yeah. so the auctions are reflecting that. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. If you take a look at just kind of the overwhelming amount of stuff that we see out there, I mean, there's a lot of guys that that price, you know, price their corn in, locked in some contracts at over four bucks. You know what I mean? They, there are a lot of guys that were 410, 415, 420, you know. Um, oh, yeah. There are some opportunities for guys to do that. And I think that we that's what we're seeing now. We're kind of seeing some visual effects of that. Um, because I'll be honest with you, I mean, for for the auction, for the market that we're in right now and what we saw on that auction, I, I would probably echo what you said. I don't think that there was really anything there. There weren't, there weren't any barn burners, right? There was nothing out there like, holy shit, that brought retail plus 10. There's none of that, right? No. But, but there was a lot of just like steady, consistent numbers that you would see that we've seen throughout the year, right? There's not right. Oh, yeah. And and it was not there wasn't a, a downer by any means. I don't think that there was any real, um, you know. I, I just think that there's a lot of. I don't know, it seemed like there's some shocked people out there when it came to what they saw, and I, and and maybe it's because we follow it and and we we pay attention to it a lot more. But um, I don't know. I felt like to me that there was not a lot to write home about on that that particular auction. No, I I would agree with that. There was there was nothing, nothing that would get you all fired up and be like, "Holy cow! I can't believe that brought that in a positive sense or in a negative sense." Right. You know, it was just kind of a run of the mill auction. You know, and I I talked to some guys that were there, and they said that yeah, maybe they spent a little longer on each piece than normal to get there but they still got there right and you know keep in mind that that colonel dan he 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 spends the least amount of time of anybody in the country at, at times on a piece he just hammers her through so they it, it he just spent a normal amount of time on stuff right but um you know it it yeah, there there was nothing nothing that the sky is falling. There was nothing that wow, we're on a huge uptick. Right. It, it was just the market we're in right now. And you're right. I mean, we eat, sleep, live, and breathe this stuff all the time. So, right. It's probably different for us than you know, guy that you know, average farmer or whoever that, you know, he's, it's not his job to follow what the hell the auctions are doing and what the market is at. It's our job. So. Yeah. Now I just think there's a, and it's, it's an auction too. And one thing I would say about some of the stuff I looked at kind of, you know, I didn't like dive into it hardcore, but I kind of glossed over it and, and kind of went back through some of the, the pieces that would impact we see happening out there and impact our business, you know, um, and I thought a lot of that stuff was well within that, you know, I've always said that, you know, retail price is 
in, in this market that we're in right now is is kind of bouncing around out there and I you know it could be anywhere from some of that stuff we see guys I've watched plenty of auctions where there's a dealer 10 miles away from the auction site and the corn head that they've had for two years was sold for was they're asking fifteen thousand dollars less for it than the one that sold at the auction and there's literally nothing different about it condition wise and so it brought more than retail value as far as as far as that goes. And then some of the stuff I hear you watching, they're within that that ten to twenty percent of, of, of retail, which is kind of that sweet spot you want to stay in. So Right. But on the same hand, well there's some stuff that was a little bit lower than probably we've seen in the past, absolutely it's an auction, right? You're gonna have those. Well there's some stuff that was higher than what we thought, I would say so too. But again, it's an auction. You know, you never know what you're gonna get when when bidding day. Right. Well, and keep in mind, when you have an auction of that caliber, right. the big stuff always brings less. The little stuff is always way out of everybody's budget, but somebody ends up with it. Right. You know, that's that's just how they go. Yep. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, it's an auction, right? Some of right. them are better than others, and some of them are, are worse than others. And I would say, as far as I'm concerned, if, if 10 is is man, we're going to see the best prices ever. And one is, holy crap, the sky's falling. I would get this in a five or a six. Right. Kind of right there. I don't think it's too out of control either way. So, yep. yeah. So, all right. So, plenty of stuff going on in the marketplace right now. So, we're at that time of the year where we're looking at fall harvest now. And with the amount of hail that we've had in our immediate area, there are some guys kind of peeking their heads up a little bit. And maybe talking some doing something with some choppers that we've got. We got a handful of choppers on our lot, which is a handful too many. But <laughs> right. <laughs> but we do have some activity on those choppers. So um and I think there's gonna be a lot of corn chopped this year in our area that we wouldn't have seen in the past. So I guess talk about that a little bit, what you see happening out there. Um sounds like in areas gonna have corn. Um they didn't get hell damage. There's some there's some kind of there's a little bit of concern about heat units now and just making sure that things actually get finished out like they know they should. So I guess uh, talk about what you hear out there and what you see happening with, with the harvesting in the business. Yeah, I know there's there around the Lions had a lot of hail too west of town. And I talked to a guy the other day and, you know, they got up until two weeks ago when that hail hit it was probably the best looking corn that I had seen. And, you know, it took about 20 minutes and it's green broom handles out in the field is it. And they're, they're chopping that. And I noticed today driving by the chopper sitting there in the field. So they're going to wipe that on out of here. But I know there's been more talk, um, kind of throughout the North western region of our area that yeah there there is going to be quite a bit chopped you know of course most of most all these guys have something to chop all the time anyway they probably weren't planning on that pivot or those two pivots but right that's that's the name of the game now so i know that's going on the heat thing is absolutely imperative at this point and today, I think it was 75 degrees for the high. That ain't going to cut it. 
we are in our area out here, almost our entire oh, area, our our territory is the word I'm looking for. Almost our entire territory is about 4,000 feet. Some a little bit higher, some a little bit lower. And we are notorious for that way too early of a freeze. Um, you know, I've been out west here for 12 years, and I know it's happened two or maybe even three times. This and, and that's in a normal year where things get going and everything's fine and we have our heat early like we normally have. <clears throat> we didn't start summer in this country till July, you know, and, and we didn't. And I don't think, you know, I know our more southern stores. They were doing better off early than we were in the northern half, but it's it's still not good anywhere you know as far as that goes everybody needs the heat and we are sitting way better than a heck of a lot of places in the country you know i know of a lot of june planted corn in the central and eastern corn belt that you know they're in the same weather pattern we are i know a lot of guys going to farm progress this week and it's going to be 75 all week there too right we're getting in kind of dire straits here for, you know, it's almost the end of August, brother. We're running out of days to crank some heat into this stuff. And it would be, it'd be one hell of a year to have a good Indian summer. I know that. Yep. No, no doubt about it. So I think there's going to be, it could open up some opportunities for, for uh, a lot of dealers that are sitting on um, maybe some equipment that they wouldn't typically sell because of, dairy prices for example there could be some opportunities to sell some choppers out there to uh individuals that wouldn't necessarily be the market for them and right there's not enough custom guys out there to to kind of service the 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 overwhelming amount of folks that are going to want to chop that stuff up so yeah yeah because i know the custom guys are way way booked up yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff going on out there so all right, man. Well, I think that's what we wanted to hit on today was just get kind of talk about that that uh, that auction and then kind of hit on some some stuff we see happening here with harvesting, but just uh, kind of what we see happening out there with uh, some weather patterns we see coming up. So, anything else you want to throw in there before we uh, shut it down? You know, I guess I can't think anything off the top of my head. I don't think the uh, – oh, how about that? all that stuff that was going on on the pro farmer tour, that guy threatening the USDA and yeah. they got pulled, pulled off the tour and all that. Yeah. Damn. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's one of the, I saw someone on Twitter mention that, you know, yeah, it really sucks out here guys, but you know, stuff like that don't help. And yeah. I shouldn't laugh about it cause that is a serious deal, but I, I, and I'm guessing what probably happened is they did their like first five stops and come up with this super high yield and he probably just lost his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of paying attention to that back and forth and trying to see what some of the final numbers were and those kind of things. But you know, I'm just, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, the markets aren't reacting to anything too crazy, so there's not a whole lot. Right. So. But we sold every kernel of corn in the U.S. to Japan today, so we're going to be fine. Uh, all of this year's crop and the next 17 years' crops, I think, is what I understood it right. Yep. So. 
Yep. Yep. Whether they're feeding fish with it and just dumping it in the ports when they get there or what, don't matter. As long as the check's good. Yep. That and I'm fairly certain Japan's check is good. Yeah. That and all the beef that we've got too. So there you go. Things are humming along quite well, quite well. So. Yes, I, sir. Well, I have uh, really nothing else to add to anything. So if people want to. I don't either. People want to reach out to you. How would they do that? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Fintel. If you want to pronounce it that way. Or call me or text me. 308-760-1193. Right on. All right, buddy. Safe travels and we will uh, talk to you soon. All right, brother. Peace out. See ya. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Today my guest is Steve Hawkins. And if you recognize that name, you probably heard his brother John on here from time to time. And and uh, something I want to get into a little bit as well. But but Steve is the farmer of the family and uh, John is the equipment guy of the family. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Casey. Tell me a little bit about who you are. Tell me about your operation, where you're at, all those kind of things, and, and kind of give the listeners here a little background on yourself. Okay, yeah. Um, again, my name's Steve Hawkins, uh, farm west of Gelsberg, between Gelsberg and Monmouth, Illinois. That's, uh, you look at a road map and see where 74 bends from uh, and goes straight north towards the Quad Cities. That's where we are. Um, farm corn and soybeans, probably this year. Uh, a little closer to a 60-40 mix. Normally, we uh, are in the 50-50 uh, crop location, and um, we'll predominantly grow between 110 to 116-day uh, corn and and uh, late twos to late three soybeans. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so this year has been one of those years where there's been really no lack of news or challenges that face uh, everyone in agriculture right now. So, yeah. talk, talk about yeah, that, talk about early this year when you when you were getting started. All right, so we had all this rain, we had all these issues, all these different things going on. How did you how how did you overcome all of those things, and and how far behind did you get, and and how did you overcome getting caught back up, and those kind of things. Sure. Well, I guess one of the things, you know, you, you asked about me, and, and uh, I did have a, my son graduate from uh, college in December after finishing up uh, playing some football and all that, graduated in December and came back to the farm. And so along with that, you know, he's got his first year farming um, in this wonderful year. I keep telling him if you can make it this year, you can make it any year. Right. So um, what we started, uh, we started off pretty pretty wet we had uh we put in hydrosan pre-plant uh the week before easter kind of mudded it in had mud over tanks uh ended up washing the tractor uh, thoroughly on good friday when we finished uh anhydrous and kind of thought well we're going to need it to dry out a little bit before uh before we get started into planting and uh, ended up hooking up the planter on Saturday. And by watching, uh, I subscribed to BAM uh, right weather on. forecast, yeah. kind of watching their their forecast, you know, their 10-day, two-week forecast, I thought, well, we may need to get rolling a little sooner than, than what I had planned. 
Um, so we started planting at noon Monday after um, after Easter and ran that thing as hard as we could. We uh, had a couple 20-hour days, a couple 16-hour days, knew that uh, we were in a short window and managed to get everything in in pretty good shape. Um, had a few wet holes that we kind of, you know, were, we got, we got them planted, but they were on the, uh, the verge of, man, what, what are we going to have left? But, um, we got everything planted by, uh, the end of the day on Friday. And I think, you know, it was Sunday, that next Sunday after Easter when it took, you know, loose rain in and, uh, you know, then it was mid-May before we had any chance to get in to try any beans or anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got our corn planted probably two, two and a half weeks later than, than we would have liked to uh, normally shoot for, you know. We used to shoot somewhere in the, the 10th or so, 10th to 14th to start and get wrapped up um, that time frame. Beans, we planted 110 acres of beans uh I want to say, oh, it was, uh, it's the same two days in May that everybody was able to work, I think, um, and replanted 50% of them, and then finally got the beans wrapped up, um, got the beans wrapped up uh, uh, June 6th, I think. Mm-hmm. That's how we got everything in. Yep. So the... Uh that bam bam weather, you know, it's one of those things I follow. We, we use them here <clears throat> to dealership a little bit. It's a, uh, it's amazing from what their forecasts are compared to like your the, the apps you get on your phone, right? And just, yes, I mean it's it is. There's a distinct difference between you know kind of, one of those adages you know you get what you pay for, and and that service is one of those ones where I would look back and like, man, this is worth the money because. Like you said, there were a lot of windows they were calling for. They were like, "Hey guys, this is not going to be. There's not going to be any rain here. There's going to be rain here. The temperature, this, that, and the other thing." And you'd look at the at the uh, app on your phone, and it wasn't anywhere near what they were saying. And it was a uh, it was definitely a uh, it was a definitely a tool that I think should be more utilized. So talk about that a little bit and your decision to to go with BAM Weather or one of those other weather services out there like that. I mean, what 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 drove you to 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 invest the money to do that? Well, I just, uh, I did kind of a trial a year ago and got the, the full-blown uh, subscription, and they have so much information, and it was, it was information overload, and uh, talked with them a little bit when it came time to renew, and I was like, you know, I just don't need that much information. They said, you know, we think we have a, we, we hear you, we think we have what works for you, and because and, uh, I think you know, I was getting four and five things a day, and it was just so much information and things that I had, I just quite frankly couldn't understand. Right. And we got to the thing where I got to get a kind of a two day, two emails a day uh, service here that gives me a uh, sometimes three, depending on if we got a little severe weather or whatever coming on or something that you know kind of catches them. Hey, we're seeing this, but a uh, email, but um, you know, I get the kind of the near-term forecast early, and then I get a longer-term forecast, like a two-week forecast. Um, you know, like usually that first one I get by five five forty-five Central time, and then I get the second one around 8.30, and gives me both, you know, the near-term and the longer-term, two-week time frame uh, weather. And, and I tell you what, that I'm so thankful 
that they uh, they had a package that worked for us because I tell you what I paid for you know I think I paid for this year's subscription and probably five or six seven more well it's probably going to be more than that uh, just by following their their thing to get it planted there that last uh, full week of April. Yeah, technology is amazing, and, and utilizing that technology is such a, a key factor anymore, especially with these tighter windows we've had over the past two or three growing seasons. It's been a, uh, especially when it comes to planting, it's been a, it's been a struggle. So, um, yeah. So let's let's talk about this a little bit. So uh, Monday, this is uh, it's August eighteenth right now on Sunday, and um, so last Monday, the USDA came out with their WASDE report and. I would love your opinion uh, of what you thought of that report and what you think of uh, the direction the market took on on the subsequent days. Well, I will give you kind of an overview of my thoughts on things. And I am, um, of the one the last four or five years, have really scratched my head at a number of these USDA reports. And over that time frame, I have gone to the idea that I would be happy with the trade coming out with their estimate, you know, their high range, their low range, and an average, and uh, and going with that. I mean, those are the they're, they're the businesses that are going to make it or break it on whether their information is correct in the positions they've took. Um, because I think the I think the market kind of did a good job ahead, you know, because we had that fall off ahead of the ahead of the report, and I think they did a good job of getting kind of a handle on where where things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we kind of get this, this it, you know, it's almost a double negative report. You know, it was negative in the aspect of acres and negative in the aspect of yield, and it was just, you know, that's what, in my opinion, threw everything haywire. But um, you know, I'm not. I'm not seeing the. I know there's a lot of guys because they they leaked the USDA leaked the information kind of what the the uh, MFP program was going to be. So some guys probably planted some acres that they weren't going to. Um, but the yield is just is just incredible. You know, we've had we've been very fortunate in our neighborhood in our few counties, you know, this this part of western Illinois. Uh, I know I imagine I'm a lot different than uh, a lot of guys, but we got a five-year corn yield of 239 bushels of the acre. That's, that's uh, on my farm, a dry, that's dry to 15%, a marketable yield, and a 67 soybean uh, five-year average. And... I think I'm a good 20% off of that. And where I'm going with this is if some of the better areas have their 20% off, then does that mean that national yield, you know, is going to come down, you know, 10, 15, 20%. I mean, I know there's good spots, and, and according to, my brother that's traveled a vast amount, and I've been to Oklahoma and uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, to Chicago a number of times, and Indianapolis. Um, my son drove across Iowa, uh, out towards Omaha, and thought Iowa looked fairly decent, but, I mean, east and south, 
um, I thought we were in a pretty good, pretty good spot, you know. Right. Yeah, there is a. So I don't see how they. I don't see see how they're coming up with the yield. I'm right there with you. I drove across. Uh, well, I met John out at a at a conference uh, in July, and I drove across all of Nebraska, all of Iowa, and however far into into uh, Illinois, Peoria is. So about halfway, I would assume, kind of right there in the middle. And you know, depending on what side of the road you're on, and really depending on the height of the corn, um, all the soybeans you could see down the rows still. Um, there was, I mean, every soybean field I went across looked exactly the same. So I'm, I'm kind of the same camp as you are. I'm kind of curious to see what they've done. Um, I've got, you know, Sean Hackett on here talks about one of my uh, analysts that come on. And he was on here, uh, the podcast I just released here on Friday. He was talking about in 93 and I think in 95, they both reduced, uh, the USDA reduced the overall uh, yield estimate by 13 bushels an acre and 11 bushels an acre, respectively, both those years. So, um, and he pointed out, you know, it's kind of hard to have 169 bushel yield when the majority of the corn was planted on June 1st. So it's just, it's just, yeah, you know, we just see that kind of things. And there's still a lot of acres out there that that's the thing about the report that bugs me a little bit is that a lot of these pre-event acres that they allowed people to go back in and plant those into corn for silage or whatever else they were going to do with it. <clears throat> Obviously, not make grain with it. But they counted that stuff as, as uh, you know, your as, as planted acres, and then they did their normal reduction of of harvested acres like you would see any other year. Well, it's a completely different ball game right now. So, yeah, as you look towards, well, I even saw something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I I saw an email on Friday, and I was trying to pull it up on my computer, and evidently it didn't come through there. But um, they did that digital. Um, yield where they, uh, you know, use the satellite images, and I, I want to say it was much lower as well yeah. than what the government had for yield. So yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a crazy deal, you know. So I, I'm kind of, I'm really looking forward to the Pro Farmer Tour that starts here on Monday, um, and as it, as it starts kind of heading across the countryside. So, uh, I mean, I guess kind of what is. What's your thought? Do you think there's going to be a significant difference between what they come up with and what the USDA says? Well, I think so. Um, you know, we had, we had, I just think from, you know, walking out in our cornfield, it's going to be, it's going to be significantly different. Uh, we, we pollinated pretty close to on time. Fourth uh, of July, we had 1.8 inches of rain and, four showers that lasted a total of 15 minutes. So most of it ran, you know, ran down the ditch. But um, so we had two tenths on the 18th of July, and we had a half inch on, um, what was it, April or August 5th. And then we just had, uh, we just had seven tenths when we were supposed to, I think forecast for one and a half. We got seven tenths out of this uh, last bunch that went through. Um, what I saw on the fourth, or shortly after the fourth, when I went out to check for applying fungicide, um, you know, we had a lot more yield potential at that time than we do when I was, you know, I got back from a little trip here this uh, last week and and walked out in, and you know, we've got some serious tip back going now so yeah 
um, I think I think crop the uh, the crop juror co farmer guys when they get out and get walking and start looking at some ears and everything, you know, um, it'll be good. The other thing I can't ever figure out is how you know you go go to all these different seed things during the winter and and everything and the agronomists and the, everybody tells you how the seed in the bag has a potential of 500 bushels per acre and it's the environment and the farmer starts doing things to it to bring it down and with that being said wouldn't good to excellent never get any higher right <laughs> uh, right yeah. in my in my if you if you talk with the agronomist and everything i don't know that good to excellent ever get any higher and a lot of farmers that, that i talk to you know they're like how does it get better it's it's you know, it's been rolled up. How does it get better? You know, it got a rain. There's the stress has been applied to it. You can't take it off. You know, right? Yep. Yeah, that's funny how that so, does change. You know, it goes from you know a certain percentage good to excellent, and the next week comes out and it's and you know it goes up ten percent or five percent or whatever the number is, and yeah. it is kind of crazy how that would go from being average to good or excellent after that. So, yeah, funny how that works. Um. So let's talk about uh, give me give me your opinion on what's happened with this trade deal. Um, we've seen I, I, kind of my opinion is I think we've we've hit uh, we got two hardhead guys that are going to neither one of them are going to blink and I don't know for sure how that's going to work out for either one of them. So and we're kind of stuck here in the middle with what's going on. So talk about what you see happening in the uh, with the trade deal and and I guess give me your opinion of of what you see happening there. Oh goodness, uh, that's a lot of that's above my pay grade. But uh, you know, as a as a farmer, I think we always, you know, we're fairly patriotic. Oh yeah, um, more so than than a lot of segments. Um, I think we want definitely what's best for the country. Um, I think at times um, we get a little, or I get anyway. I'll speak for myself. Get a little aggravated about putting stuff out in the in the media and and um, getting people stirred up and and uh, you know causing swings and and everything like that that we don't need to you know we we get things that are that are counterproductive to the to the getting a trade deal done for the grains and then the next thing you know it's like well it's going to be okay and then if something comes out and it, it hammers the livestock producers and it's just uh I just assume that we uh, lock the guys in a room and and uh, make them uh, make them get something done. Kind of go back to thinking of an old episode of Mash where uh, Hawkeye Pierce drives up to the peace talks and and tries to talk to the two sides and says, "Listen here, you need to get something done." And and uh, I think every one of us here in the in the middle of the country would would urge that to happen. Um, you know, we got heck, start other things start going wrong with this trade deal. And, and we, we had an economy that was kind of half turning around and we were thinking about stuff and it's starting to slide. And, and, um, I think from, you know, my, my neighbors and everything, we'd just like to see the deal done. And, and we know there's, you know, so many bushels of beans that are gonna, um, need to be used in the world. But, um, it sure would be nice to be the first option again than, than uh, the last place they have to go to. Yeah. No, totally agree with what you're saying there. Um, we do need to have some level playing field out there, and I think that's what we're, we're trying to get done. Um, it's just uh, there's a little pain that goes along with that. 
I will say this though, and this yeah. has been my opinion on, on this trade thing for for quite a while, is that um, yeah, we're there's no doubt about it. The ag sector is obviously getting hit the hardest, and and that's there's no, there's no one can deny that. But on the other side of that, with African swine fever and, and the different stuff going on in China right now, when it comes to that, you got to kind of wonder a little bit if if the soybean price wouldn't be fairly close to what you see now anyway, just because there's 40 to 50 percent, you know, depending on who you talk to and what you see out there, 40, per, 40 to 50 percent of those of the of the largest hog producing country on, on the planet um, yeah. has been decimated. Right, it's been gone. They're they're, they're dead. Yep. They don't have them anymore. So they they need half as many soybeans as they need anyway. Right. So there's a. Yep, I agree. Kind of makes you wonder a little bit if there wouldn't be a similar price to what you see now, irregardless of trade or not. All right. So this is this is the one thing I want to talk to you about because it's uh, kind of being the dealer and 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 the farmer, kind of getting together here. Your brother John works for Martin Sullivan, a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. John's one of those guys that's taught me more than I taught him. So he's he's a he's a real smart cat when it comes to what's going on in this business. So what's uh what's it like having the uh having your brother be the dealer and, and you be the farmer? How's that how is uh how those conversations start and how do they finish? Well, I'll tell you that all the neighbors think I get absolutely the best price around and that's why their <laughs> trades cost so much. I can tell you that. And I can tell them that it's not the case. I get the price, and the one thing you know that that John has done a really, really good job with me, and uh, you know, it's the fact that sometimes I stop in his office and talk to him, and other times it happens to be around the Thanksgiving table, but he has done an extremely good job of just talking with me and listen, you know, asking my plans listening to what my thoughts and ideas, um, you know, now with Matt back, you know, we're talking about different technology, things that, that Matt sees. Um, we're, we're talking about what our goals are five years from now. And then we talk about how we'd like to come about those goals and whether it's a piece of equipment or a piece of, you know, a tractor or a combine or a tillage piece. And uh, we talk about it, and usually, um, you know, sometime in the future, sometimes if it's a, it's if it's a something that we're looking at doing a little sooner, he'll give me a call and say, "Hey, I've located one of these things. We got we got one in on trade. I think it's what you're looking at. You want to come look at it." Um, same thing, you know, maybe something a little further down. the and he's got a year and a half or something like that. And when the, the right piece comes in, he'll say, hey, this is what we got. Um, you want to come look at it? And then we, you know, do the normal trade thing that any, you know, uh, anybody does. But he's done such a good job of understanding, trying to understand the operations of uh, uh, Matt and my operation. And, and I think, you know, if I understand, well, if guys are willing to, to kind of share that with him, with other guys as well. I've heard of some other farmers around that have had a good experience with that. And, uh, you know, that, I think that makes the biggest deal of, is, uh, the desire, um, the desire to, uh, work together, you know, have a partnership. And, and, uh, we, you know, I've talked with some other things 
experiences I've had in the dealership and we've talked about things and about how I would like things to happen uh, or I would see things and uh, you know I I want them to make money because if I have a part breakdown at you know 7:30 at night on a Friday and my dealership's healthy and good um, I can make that call and if I'm a good customer um, that guy in parts behind the parts desk might stay there just a tad bit longer for me to run in there in a dash, you know, and pick up a part. Um, same thing, you know. Um, I just think we, you know, it's it's a good, strong relationship. Um, and you know, he's my little brother. I, I most of the good stuff that he knows, I taught him anyway. So. Well, of course, absolutely. That's what I said yeah. about my little brother too. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. He may have a few scars on his head because I told him he could jump off the porch or something like that when he was <laughs> two or three years old. But, you know, yeah, that's just big brother that's stuff making him tough. It's, it's the humor of it, right? That's the part of being a big brother that's yeah. fun, right? That's right. All right. All right, so one more question for you, and we'll wrap this up. Mm-hmm. When you take a look towards the uh, the end of this year, going into the first uh, this last quarter of the year, going into the first quarter of the year, what are some of the uh, mm-hmm. the positives that you see out there for for you and your operation, and and what are some of the negatives you see out there? Well, I think you know the the positive is that that uh, I've got my son farming with me. It's a dream I've had for a long time. Uh, my dad shows up every day in the office, and we talk about talk about things. Um, I get the have the greatest profession, work with some of the best, honest, most honest people, you know, around from my grain dealer to my equipment dealer to my seed guy and my chemical guy. Um, and when, uh, you know, this year with, with things, and things went pretty good for us. Mm-hmm. But as trying as things were, you know, the, those people that we do business with really did... Um, all they could. And, and, you know, so I guess, you know, the positive is that, you know, we, we work in a great industry that it's, it's competitive. It's competitive. Don't get me wrong. It's competitive, but everybody has everybody's back. So I think, you know, that's a, that's a strong positive. Um, the negative is, you know, I think everybody's cash flows are going to be tighter and, and, uh, some of the things that we may have wanted to do and some of the changes, uh, that maybe we're planning, you know, have to have to push back a year or so. Uh, but all in all, I mean, we we do have it. We do have it pretty darn good. Um, I think I think that's the thing, and and I just just pray daily that you know neighbors and guys all around keep their chin up, and and uh, you know we do have a lot to be thankful for, even though the the stuff here on the horizon's a little tough right off the bat, uh, you know. I think we just have a tremendous amount to be thankful for in this in this industry. Yep. Nope. Totally agree. That's good stuff, man. So, well, Steve, I, I really, <clears throat> really appreciate you uh, you taking time to be on this podcast, and and I really appreciate uh, your support out there. I, I see you. I see you post that that koozie out there every once in a while, of keeping your uh, oh yeah, keeping your refreshments cold there. It's probably the it's probably the the coldest koozie on the market, wouldn't you say? It, it is, and I'm getting ready. Once we get this uh, conversation, we got a 
think we're going to have some homemade pizza, and I'm going to enjoy that koozie here in a little bit. <laughs> right so. on. Right on. Well, I really appreciate your support, and, uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to uh, hopefully talking to you again. Maybe when uh, you start picking some corn and cutting some beans out there, I'll give you a shout back, and you can let me in on, on how yields look and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. We'll be happy to talk with you again, Casey. Thanks for the, thanks for the chance. Sir. All right. Well, Steve, take care of yourself, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you down the road, man. Very good. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Mellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Moving iron in the 21st century.